Welcome, everyone. I'm excited to have on our next Mapping Login podcast this week a special guest, Dr. Roby Brannan. Uh, he's the Vice Provost for Continuum College with Washington, uh, University of Washington. And I'm going to read his uh, bio here, and then we'll get right into the questions, because I'm excited today. I'm going to call you Dr. Roby, if that's okay. <laughs> I'm excited today that we're going to be talking about the future of education. Sure. That so means tell who you are. So uh, Roby Brandon is the Vice Provost for University of Washington Continuum College. In this role, he oversees all UW professional and continuing ed programs and staff. Previously, Brandon was the Associate Dean for Online Learning and the Executive Director of the Academic Advanced Distributed Learning Co-Lab at the University of Wisconsin Extension in Madison. Prior to his work in higher education, he led an instructional design team at Eli Lilly and Company in Indianapolis. He has more than 20 years of instructional media and learning technology development experience in corporate, higher ed, and not-for-profit settings. Brandon holds a Master of Education in Instructional Systems Technology from the University of North Carolina and a PhD in Instructional Systems Technology and a minor in Human-Computer Interaction from Indiana University. He's a regular speaker at many training and education conferences covering a range of topics including learning technologies, instructional design trends, and building organizational effectiveness. So welcome, Dr. Roby, as I'm going to call you. And uh, we're here to talk about the future of education, and I'm excited. Uh, you know, your background and such is very uh, robust, and I would love for you to share with us, um, you know, the first one is your listeners about your, uh, your opinion on higher education, where we're going in the future of education. We'd love to start with that. Sure. Yeah, that's a great topic. Thank you, sure, for having me and uh, glad to address uh, all the folks who join in to regularly watch uh, your podcast and uh, such an important topic for all of us right now. I think it's so critically important for us to reexamine uh, how we are thinking about how people are educated in a modern world uh, where things are changing so rapidly. Uh, we all know the stats. We can hear some of these stats every day, but it's important to think about some of these things that are impacting what's happening in the world today. Uh, one of the things that I would say is we need to think about longevity in our careers and in our lives. Uh, an 18 year old today has better than a 50% chance to live past 100 years old. And I would suggest if you're in your 20s or even in your early 30s, you should be thinking about potentially a much longer life than your parents or grandparents had. And that means people could be working as long as 60 years of their life. They won't work the way that many of us worked uh, or, or even work today. And so uh, people will be having different ways that they work over time. And education is going to play a huge role in how people uh, teach themselves, but also how they get formal education to continue to advance their careers. Or in many cases, we're going to see people changing careers more often. We already see that happening. That's going to increase. And so education has to begin to reflect that future that has a lot more change in it in terms of jobs. Uh, we know that most people entering, say, uh, a freshman year in college today, uh, more than 50 or 60 percent of the jobs that will be available when they graduate did not exist when they started as a freshman. Right. So education has to adapt and evolve and prepare for both lifelong learning over a much longer lifespan, where a four-year knowledge inoculation or a two-year knowledge inoculation once in your life is probably not going to serve you for uh, 60 or 70 years of a working life or 100 years of a, of a really rich life. And so as we look at the future of education, we think about the rapid changes in the workplace. We think about the longevity of the people 
people who are out there, we think about the fact that uh, right now in the United States, 30% of people have bachelor's degrees and 70% do not. And we need more people to have access to higher education, but they may, may need access in ways that aren't the traditional ways of thinking about higher education. And so we see uh, higher education shifting to address the rapid changes in how people work and how they're going to live moving forward, but also uh, addressing the needs of individuals at a very personal level, the way we're seeing in other forms of, uh, of retail and other parts of society. Right, and so it's really, uh, for me, I always love working with education institutions. I've done a lot of work with other universities, SoCal uh, University, um, Douglas College here in Vancouver, British Columbia, and it's really great to hear educators confirm our research because, let's face it, education has been one of the industries that is going to be disrupted with all these changes. And in fact, your, what you guys are doing is the future trend, which is providing certificate degree, degrees, if you will, or certificate learning uh, in addition to the regular, you know, the regular programs that you have. What we found at Next Mapping, and we just shared this with the group yesterday, is that exactly what you said, having a four-year degree uh, is actually, this is Peter Diamandis saying this, not me, so you know, he's Singularity University saying, a four-year degree is irrelevant within within the first year of you graduating with that degree unless you're continually learning beyond what you learned in that degree program. So that leads me to the next question. Uh, in our re research, we see that traditional degrees are being replaced by certifications. What's your comment on that and your observation? Well, I think what we're seeing is not or, but and, right? Yeah. We see people needing more of all forms of education. And we degrees are still going to be the coin of the realm. They are incredibly important. Uh, and we know that it's not the only path to be successful in terms of working with higher education. So we think there'll be more pathways that open up. But we also think there needs to be more degree holders. Uh, and it may be in a different way. So it may be that you don't earn your degree in two years or four years, but it's over an extended period of time. Yeah. You'll be stacking other kinds of educational and work experiences interleaved with uh, credentialing that would go along the way with you. Uh, and, and I think we will still see a, a large traditional population that will take advantage of the system the way it is. But again, that might be 30 to 40% of the population. But we know 60% of the population needs higher education, not necessarily a degree but higher education, education beyond high school to be able to thrive in the world that we are in right now. And so uh, we see growth in our certificate portfolio. It is growing faster than the degree portfolio by about 12% here. Uh, and, uh, and that's in part based on demand, in part based on we work with a very market-driven approach to listen and talk to employers to make sure that we're meeting their needs uh, here in the region. And increasingly, uh, we're building online and on demand. And that's part of where our growth is happening, too, because as we talk to employers, uh, people can't wait for the next semester or the next quarter. They need, they need those skills today. They need them now. And so certificates are much better suited to that kind of environment. But uh, degrees still matter a lot. And, uh, and certainly, if you look at the data, uh, having a degree gives you a leg up um, regardless of uh, the space, but you're absolutely right. If, if part of what you have to learn when you earn a degree today, and I say this regularly, is how to keep learning throughout your lifetime, and that will include certificates and other forms of learning that are going to emerge in the next 10 to 15 years. Yes, and uh, let me just clarify that I'm not saying that in our research degrees are irrelevant. I'm saying that they're shifting. So, you know, a four-year degree, a lot of millennials and Gen Zs are saying, I'm not willing to even invest four years in something that I'm uncertain that it's going to get me where I want to go. So that there's a, there's a shift happening demographically, which you've confirmed. And so that's, that's what I was related to. We will always have degrees, but the way they're delivered and how the timeframe yes. 
I think are going to shift dramatically. So that leads us to the next question. And you mentioned it. I love that you're one step ahead of me here with where we're going. Uh, you said um, about employers. And I said, you know, my question is, we're finding that employers are looking for skilled workers who can apply real-time skills. How is your college helping to achieve this for employers? Well, as I mentioned, we have a, a portfolio of about close to 90 certificate programs today. Uh, most of those are increasingly focused on what employers are asking for. Um, what's unique, I think, for us as a research university, we have a lot of educational institutions in Seattle, uh, but part of what we need is, a, is, a, is an economy or an ecosystem of different ways of helping people get skilled. And so what we hear from employers, how we start is we start every certificate program by bringing together hiring managers from the leading companies here in Seattle, and we listen to them and say, what are the skills that you need today, either from people who already have a college education or some college and no degree but could get into this job, and what does a certificate look like that helps prepare that person for what you're looking for uh, today? We want to be clear to folks when they enter our certificate programs, they are meant to meet that specific need. So degrees do help you in terms of having much broader literacy, and so that's why degrees still matter uh, a lot in terms of the depth of what people yes. bring to the table. But certificates help you when you go somewhere like University of Washington Continuum College, where we work directly with employers to make sure we're meeting the employer needs. Here in, here in Seattle, many of these employers are obviously global employers. Uh, yes. we're, we're meeting the needs more broadly. And so talking to and working with employers in a different kind of way than I think universities have been accustomed to. We're hearing this happening amongst our peers across the country. Uh, and I think that connectivity is going to be one way that we meet that demand, provide the skills that are needed today in the workforce in the moment, as well as building those deeper literacies that are important over uh, over a career, but maybe not for a specific job. Right. And, and just going a little bit off script here, because I sent you the questions in advance. One of the things we found is in South Africa, they're doing something called learnerships, uh, which is sort of, in my opinion, an elevated internship program where um, actually an employer education partnership, where just as you said, you're asking the employer, what do you need for skills of, of your workers? And then those employers are willing to pay those potential workers to learn. So there's, I think there's gonna be, because you and I know there's still gonna be a shortage of workers, even with the increase of technology. That's that this is a mandate that you know what you guys are providing is absolutely critical to the future of work. So this is why I was so excited to interview you because I wanted to hear from your perspective what you know what the implications are. Well, so and, next, and I just I'll just say one just one quick thing here on, yeah. on what you're saying, and I won't. Uh, it's a new partnership for us, so I won't talk too much about it today. But yeah. exactly what you're saying is something we're working on right now, which is with yeah. a new organization in Washington state that's focused on only delivering the apprenticeship experience working with employers. And we're yes. going to provide the classroom experiences that interlead in with that. But the goal is to do that at scale. And so yeah. we're very early, we're not quite ready to announce what that's gonna look like today. But what you're talking about is exactly right on in terms of what we see happening. And we're actively participating in helping to shape that future and drive it. So once that is live and public, we would love at Next Mapping to know about that because we wanna spread the word of modern and examples of where this is being done uh, because a lot of you know as you can imagine in US Canada globally a lot of organizations are struggling with the very same issues so if we can see models and examples of where the innovation is not just lip service but it's actually being created this is important as we move forward so we'd love to stay in touch with you around that absolutely um, let's get through the questions here because we usually keep, try to keep these podcasts 20 minutes cognizant of people's time uh, the future of work is shifting rapidly. There are jobs we don't even know will exist yet. In your opinion, how do we educate current and future workers for this? What's your thought? Well, as I mentioned earlier, and I think this is critical, critical first of all, 
I think everybody has to have an attitude about learning that it is something you're going to do on a regular basis and and not uh, uh, and not thinking that when you graduate, even if you go to college uh, in a traditional format and you get through that wonderful graduation ceremony, we like to throw our caps in the air and say it's over. That really needs to be the beginning of your learning for your career going forward. And that's regardless of what age you are. So I think that's critically uh, a critically important component. Another thing I would say for, for learners is uh, to think about your time overall in a week. And we do have more time to do recreational activities than we used to. And that's why Netflix has been binge watching and all the video series, services, Amazon, and all of the other ones that are out there. Uh, but I will say it's not just an attitude towards learning. It's thinking about your time and making decisions. We call it the uh, 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 recreate versus recreate decision and how you're going to use some of that off time as a worker. And so beginning to say to myself, boy, do I want to binge watch three hours of a great show tonight? Uh, maybe I'll save that for the weekend. Or do I want to spend three hours working on a certificate program? Uh, like uh, we have one night a week uh, certificate programs that are about three hours. And, and so we're beginning to say you might need to spend time instead of recreating, recreating yourself during those off hours and, and beginning uh, to think like, I hear a strategic partnership with Netflix. I believe that Netflix should actually have an education stream because if you look at Dr. Brene Brown, right, she just did a documentary and she's a colleague and I see this and I see an opportunity for Apple, for Netflix, for Amazon Prime to have exactly, so we could actually be delivering the way people consume education through, because you're right, I binge watch, but I, so I just signed up for MIT Sloan certificate program on AI and I de delegate just like you, uh, so let me say a little bit about my education. I do not have any post-ed degrees. So I graduated high school and my success has been directly related to continual certificates over the series of my career. And that's been my, now I'm not advocating that for listeners, I'm saying that's been my path to success. If you look at the, uh, you know, Zuckerberg, um, some of these, these tech guys, they've gone to college and then they dropped out. So there's no, I'm not advocating either or, I'm saying there are many paths to success and millennials and Gen Zs are really in that point right now where they're asking, what is the best path to my success? Well, I, I didn't follow a normal path either. I, I uh, after high school, I started a business and I, and I played in a heavy metal rock band and awesome. uh, managed the rock band, but, but starting a company and running your own business was a true educational experience doing that for five years and then saying, maybe I'll go back to school in my mid twenties or late twenties. I think uh, uh, that might have been unusual when I did that, but that's going to be increasingly common for a lot more people when to experiment. But it's going to be more and more common because people have more choice. Now, I, I, I may, at my age, still go and get a formalized degree. Right? Sure. Just to, I, what I think is really key about what you and I are very aligned with is the key is lifelong learning. That's the key. And whatever that looks like, if it's a degree, if it's certificate, you know, if it's running your own business, there's a continual desire to learn and grow. So I think that's awesome. Uh, so let me ask you, what is the biggest learning opportunity for workers looking to rescale or upscale at this time to better prepare for the future of work? So we've talked about the need for everyone to be lifelong learners. What's the area that you think people need to really upskill and learn more about today? Well, I think, you know, we like to we like to say that um, everyone deserves the education they need to thrive in the world in the way that they want to. Yeah. Um, and so th there's almost a limitless number of possibilities, but it does take, it's worth uh, looking at where the hot areas are. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of um, almost obvious and almost hard to even say it, but technology, anything in the technology. Yeah 
energy space, I would say what we're seeing now is that's being somewhat eclipsed by more focused areas in data science, artificial yes. intelligence, and not even the deep artificial intelligence, but just how to begin to use artificial yes. intelligence in the workplace as an end user, how you have uh, augmented intelligence, not artificial intelligence, but things that are augmenting the way you're working. So I think anything in that vein is always going to be helpful. We also know that generic business skills like project management, that is really growing and as a yes. side skill for any other uh, uh, degree that you might have or non-degree getting that project management certificate it's often a leg up and then business management and entrepreneurship all of those areas are really hot areas perennially uh, and then we always see offshoots in areas that are hot at any given time as I mentioned we now have I think 20 more than 20 programs that have the word data in the title data visualization data analytics data and so uh, and so I think uh, uh, those are always hot spaces right now but uh, we see growth continuing in that area. I agree with that, and from a so I agree with that completely because if you're if we're not learning the technology, we are going to be left behind. And so people that might be listening to this might go, you know, depending on their demographic, they might go, well, I, you know, I'm worried about automation. I'm worried about robotics is going to take my job. And my response to that, which I get thumbs up and I get thumbs down because it depends on the audience, is we need to reskill so in order to stay relevant. And so then the the negative to that is, well, who's going to pay for that reskill? That's a whole other dialogue, but in my opinion, a lot of employers are stepping up to reskill. They are, they're recognizing that they can't just displace their workers, they've got to reskill them. But from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years, I'm responsible for my reskilling. So there, there's that, right? And so I think the biggest skill on a human level is the ability to be flexible and to learn to adapt. To me, like technology, yes, absolutely. But if you're not adaptable That's right. and you can't learn how to change, then I think you might be challenged with this future that we're fastly entering. You know? right. Well, I think even Toffler years ago said it won't be your ability to learn, but your ability to unlearn and relearn yeah. will be the most important trend. And we're really seeing that happen right now. It's no longer something that's happening in the future. That's really absolutely true today. Yes, absolutely. So um, just cognizant of time, uh, any final thoughts on education and impact on future of work? from your vantage point. Yeah, I, I, I think where we, uh, you know, we're at the front end of a really important set of conversations. You mentioned one there at the end that I think is starting to happen. Uh, I think there are really five key areas that we're looking at. One of those is changes in the way we credential. So we have more micro levels, stacking and other sorts of things. New technologies for us that don't think about student data in terms of individual uh, encounters with the university, but really over the course of a lifetime, how do we maintain that through technology and relationship building uh, over time? Uh, we have um, what we call the actual content, the different things that help people over the course of their lifetime. Uh, and, um, and we also have, um, uh, as we talk about uh, services for learners are going to change. Uh, so we we're, 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 we're have now coaches. As I mentioned, we have 20 programs with the word data. And it may be that someone needs to say, is a degree right for me? Maybe an MBA is not right, but let me talk to a coach that will help with that yeah. so services. But to get to your final point, we need a new compact between uh, higher ed, government, and industry, and individuals about how we're going to fund this and how we're going to make this work going forward. Because you're right, with 1.5 trillion in student debt, the old way of how we fund and finance that isn't going to work. So, so those are five key areas that we're actively working on because we think those are going to be critical to the future of work and the future of success and work for education and how those blend together. Yeah, fantastic. I'm just thrilled to to speak with you. Uh, to me, what stands out with you is that you're uh, really ahead of the 
sort of the curve as in regards to not the traditional academic approach, but much more of an entrepreneur, like an entrepreneurial education approach, which I believe is the need for us to move forward, both for, from the employer side and from the worker side. So uh, well done. I'm Thank really you. pleased to have you on today's show. And uh, how can people contact you if they have any questions or they'd like to reach out to you? Sure. Well, if they go to our website, continuum.uw.edu, uh, they can find our leadership page there and they can get all the contact information in terms of how to reach out to us. And I will say part of my learning is following you on Twitter and following your great work in terms of, so it makes me look good. So it might look like I know where the trends are, but I'm following the trends. <laughs> so thank you for all well, that you do. I really I appreciate it. it. Our, our new book, Next Mapping, has really, uh, you know, short and sweet, but really gives a clear picture of a lot of what you and I have just spoken about around the future and what we need to do. And I'm one of these people, you either look at it as an abundant future or you look at it as a fearful future. And if you look at it as abundant, then learning is going to be your key cornerstone. And that was why I was excited to have you on today's uh, today's show. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I'm sure people will be reaching out to you. Great. Bye-bye.